There's only one nation, Raider Nation. You're listening to Silver and Black tonight on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio. Welcome back. Silver and Black tonight here on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio. Raider Nation, how you feeling? Draft is complete. We're going to run down all of it for you tonight, including uh, not only the draft picks, but some of our thoughts on the draft overall and the difference between a Dave Ziegler draft, Josh McDaniels draft, and a Gruden Mayock draft. So we'll talk a little bit about that. We'll also talk through some of the undrafted free agent signings that the Raiders make this week. So lots to get to. And and we, we did finally, we finally got him out of the, I don't know if it's too early to joke about, we got him out of the, the Middle Eastern prison um, that, that he was in uh, for writing... Uh, negative things about the Raiders. That is my partner, uh, Mr. Mo Moten. Mo is back. He's been incredibly busy. He still is with the draft and now all the post-draft coverage. But Mo, uh, you know, we can now dispel the rumors that um, that I I, I, I I threw you into a barrel in Lake Mead or that you walked away or that you were fired or that somehow uh, you just, you know, you, you had some falling out with with silver and black tonight, which is not the case. But welcome back, man. You've been incredibly busy. You covered the entire draft, and you still haven't had time to breathe, have you? No, well, I will say they didn't fire me. I'm still here, guys. So <laughs> I didn't have I didn't have an argument with management. You know, there wasn't an issue with Scott. I, I, I we didn't you know go into fist the cuffs. I'm still here. I'm, I may be hiding, laying low a little bit, but. Still behind the scenes doing some work and getting through the draft. Of course, I dropped a bunch of columns, so you guys probably already know how I feel about the draft, but we're just going to dig into the details today. Yeah, and it was interesting. Leading up to the draft, now, one of the things, it's been a long time, Mo, for those of you who followed you for a long time and read your work and listened to you here on the show, it's been a long time since I've heard people kind of come at you. Uh, but the pre-draft period and is led up to that, and you talked about some of the players, and especially after we found out about uh, the 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 non renewal, or I should say, the non fifth year option on the 2019 first round draft class, uh, people got a little testy, and it was really interesting because I just hadn't seen that in a while. But we're going to get into the draft, and I'm I'm kind of mixing it up here. But Mo, that that fifth year option, the lack of it for both uh, for all three of them, Josh Jacobs, Cleveland Farrell. And also uh, Jonathan Abram, uh, you and I talked a lot about that on this show all season and that we weren't sure it would happen. And sure enough, Dave Ziegler, Josh McDaniels make the decision. Uh, and those guys aren't going to be back after next year unless somebody has a, just a tremendous type of, I would say, Pro Bowl year. Yeah, I made it clear on Twitter that just because they declined the 50 option for all three players doesn't mean none of them will be back. I would say if Cleveland Farrell, I know this is a far reach, but if he has you know, 14 sacks, he's probably, <laughs> you know, they'll probably try to get him back. If if Jonathan Abram has, you know, picks up his coverage ability, 
he'll, they'll probably try to negotiate a, a lesser contract. Now, those guys had set values for their fifth-year option. They can come back on lesser deals. I would say Josh Jacobs has the best chance to do that. But I, I will also say that, and we talked about this on the show, Josh McDaniels doesn't really use a one workhorse back. He uses nope. two to three running backs week to week, depending on the game plan. And this is why they drafted two running backs uh, over, the, over the past week. And a lot of people were kind of confused by that. But if you look at the history of the Patriots, look at uh, Damian Harris, Ramondi Stevenson, Stoney Michelle, uh, mm -hmm. LeGarrette Blunt. They, they've cycled through running backs over the past few years, and they've all had different roles. So I would expect the same to go for the Raiders. And I agree with you. I think, listen, if somebody goes out and balls out and has a great year, clearly the Raiders may end up having to sign them. Now, they, they'll be a free agent, and so they'll have the the option of signing with whomever they want. But to me, Jacobs, you're right, has the best chance. Uh, his numbers, although good, if you dig into them, they get a little bit more hollow. But still, to your point, as a three running back uh, team with him, uh, and and some of these new guys, and of course, uh, bringing back some of the veterans, I think you have an opportunity to do that uh, and maybe cut down on his carries, make him more effective. Now, is he going to get a massive deal? No, uh, it's very hard for a running back to do that now, uh, but it's interesting. All right, Mo, let's jump in then on the uh, the draft. Okay, so the one thing, and I wrote about this on sportsnot.com, uh, one of my stories this week on the mm -hmm. Raiders, was about the lack of drama and the lack of, I would say, reaches at picks. Now, the Raiders, to be fair, didn't have a first or second round pick, right? So you weren't in that sexy territory where draft Knicks get all excited about it. But when you look at how this organization, through the offseason, through the trades, through the free agent signings, through their interactions with the media, there's that different mode you and I have talked about. It just seems to be this quiet professionalism, as I call it. Um, and I, I think we saw that at the draft. And for once, Raider fans weren't at each other's throats over the draft, over a pick that was too high, too low, whatever it was. Uh, and that was refreshing. Do you think that's indicative of what Ziegler and McDaniels learned winning six rings under Bill Belichick? I think that's how you're gonna, they're going to do business from here on out. I, and I tweeted this. I said, uh, usually a quiet organization is a well-run organization. Once you have all of these leaks and you know, tip-offs of who the Raiders might pick, that's how you know it's not all the way buttoned up. I remember in 2019 when there was a lot of noise about the Raiders having a surprise pick and you know, there are scouts and guys being sent home before the draft, and we all heard mm -hmm. about that. And it played out that way, and, and people were surprised with Cleveland Farrell's pick number four overall. And that got out days before the draft. So if you're, again, if you're a well-run organization, you have everything buttoned up and everyone's on the same page, stuff like that doesn't get out. Now, as you said, the Rays didn't have a first or second round pick, so not a lot of drama there for if you start at 86 and they traded back to, eight, to 90, I believe. Not a lot of drama there, but the fact that people weren't able to say, okay, the Raiders, this is where the Raiders are going to go with their draft picks. I think that's a sign of, of, of positive for the fans to look forward to say, okay, this organization, they, they're buttoned up. This is a well-run machine right here. Absolutely. And, and that's, that's how the Patriots were. I mean, you never saw leaks and you still don't come out of the Patriots. I mean, every once in a while, something pops out, but nothing major. And and I know a lot of people want to talk about Ziegler and McDaniels, the Patriot way, right? We talk a lot about that. And, and, and certainly they will bring with them characteristics that they learned under their, uh, their, their teacher, right? Which is Bill Belichick. He taught those guys. 
But like us all, and, and you you had a great piece uh, by a journalism student who you helped out that you uh, tweeted out this week, which was awesome. If you haven't read it, go check it out uh, to see how Mo helps out other, other journalists. But but to me, you then take what you learn from somebody who helps you and you make it your own, right? You make it your own. So you're going to do things fundamentally maybe somewhat the same, but you're going to do the different. Should people maybe not look too much to the, you can look to the Patriots for some cues for how they may do things um, like this lack of leaks and, and kind of going about their business quietly. But overall, these guys will also put their own stamp on things, won't they? Two things. Shout out to Javier Hernandez out there in Chico State. He's doing his thing. Uh, all praise to him. Uh, he's actually out there doing the work and doing the columns. So I, I'm just out yep. there as, as a person he can lean on if he needs help. But he's actually putting in the work. So shout out to him. The, the second thing I want to say is I hope Josh McDaniels and Dave Ziegler aren't taking a lot from the Patriots or Bill Belichick because their draft this year was awful. They reached <laughs> on their first two draft picks. They drafted players that didn't need in the fourth round. I believe they got Pierre Strong Jr. I like Pierre Strong Jr., but they already have. Damian Harris, Ramondre Stevenson, and James White. As I just know, the Patriots use multiple backs. Why are you drafting a fourth running back and you have three guys already? They drafted a quarterback in the fourth round of Western Kentucky. I don't know what that's about. You got Mac Jones. You already got Jared Stidham and Brian Hoyer on the roster. Their, their draft class, it makes sense. But anyway, that's besides the point. Ziggler and, and uh, McDaniels will probably take some things from Bill Belichick, but they're going to have their own draft plan, their own draft strategy, and I think that bodes well for the Raiders because at the end of the day, you can take some things from a winning organization, but you mm -hmm. have to make the Raiders organization your own once you step in the door because you're not going to have the same players as the Patriots. You're not going to have the same head coach, Bill Belichick, as the Patriots. You're not going to have the same personnel. So you have to kind of take certain things, as you said, and put your own spin on it. And I, and, I, and I feel confident that they will do that. How effective will it be? We'll see. But so far, so good. I know they haven't played a game yet. But again, we stress this. I love the way they're doing business. Getting Devontae Adams, no one thought that, no one saw that coming. Getting Chandler Jones, no one saw that coming. So I think that with what they brought from the Patriots and their own personalities and their own spin, I think the Raiders are on the right path for it. And, and you know, God bless Raider Nation because the dysfunction, the dysfunction that these fans, and to me again, the best fans in football, have had to put up with over the last 25 years is is crazy right i mean there are other fan bases out there including the jets out there in new york where you're at um who've had to deal with it too but it's different with the radio organization because they had such a rich history of winning and of course al davis during his heyday and how how great he was so so to me that's who i'm most happy for i mean obviously the team's like you said it's got to get on the field it's got to win uh but in this case you look at this draft mo and and we talked about it um, the last time we were on with you was, you know, you had to draft for need. You had to draft the player that's a, the best athlete, best player that's available, whatever you want to call it. But you also have to address needs. And we start to look at these picks. We start to look at the approach that they took starting with the third round. Of course, they trade down four picks from 86 to 90 to start. That was not surprising to me. Um, and then they go and they grab uh, Dylan Parham from Memphis, an offensive lineman, um, Right. You need offensive linemen. You need depth. Now, is a third rounder going to come in and be a starter? He could. But I want to start with him because he's such a very interesting pick, uh, not because he can come out and, and, and be perhaps the stud tackle or the stud guard, or maybe he can. It's not a Colton Miller pick, but at the same time, he's very versatile. He can even play center. And I like the pick 
for not only the kid and his talent, but I like the pick for the ta- for the cr- the creation of competition it could create with those guys already on the roster, and then free agents they may go get the rest of the way here. Can you believe I had a back and forth with fans about Dylan Parham after he was picked? <laughs> Can you believe that an offensive lineman out of Memphis? But people were saying, you know, what, people were up in arms about what position he's going to play. Yeah, I think he's going to play guard. I I will I'll reveal my ideal offensive line combination later on in the show. But I think he's going to be a guard. I know you mentioned this too in Bleacher Report scouts and a lot of other scouts have said he could play center. He didn't play center in live action at Memphis, but he did right. get reps at center during senior bowl week. And a lot of coaches like what they saw and they asked him about it during the combine. How would you feel about playing center? So there was there was an inkling that you know he may transition once he gets to the NFL. Now, of course, there's going to be a learning curve getting to the pro level. If he is a center, he probably won't play a, you know any significant snaps his rookie year. But I think right out of the gate, right out of college, I think he could be a starting left or right guard because he started out as a left guard. He was a blocking tight end, actually. Then he bulked up. There's there's pictures of him actually on Twitter. He bulked up from a tight end to a guard. Then he played right tackle. And then he played right guard. So he can play both guard positions if he's not transitioning to center. So he has a lot of opportunities to start. And I wrote about that on Sports Night. Yes, and and it was a great piece, and 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 I think people complaining or not understanding where he's right, and I agree with you that uh, if he can play the right guard spot, right, um, and and you got to go with Leatherwood and give him another opportunity, in my view, at tackle to see if he can do it, and that's what will be interesting. One of the biggest stories I think going into camp will be can Leatherwood get back to that tackle position and kind of get back to what they thought he could be. Uh, but you look at Parham and you look at started 11 games, allow not allowing a sack and 445 pass protection snaps and only two hits on the quarterback. I mean, that's only one stat. I get it. But I like the pick. And I think that the, the ability for him to switch positions, that's not what you want him to do. But the reality in the NFL is injury. And if injury happens, uh, this team has done well with having guys that can play multiple roles and go in there. They haven't been the best offensive line in the NFL, but I think you're getting a talent level uh, uh, jump there as well. Um, Mo, we go, I wanted to we, clear one thing yeah, really quick. I wanted to clear one thing with Andre James because that was the contention I had on Twitter with people with, with the Dylan Parham argument was, oh, we, we can't bench Andre James. And I'm like, yeah, Andre James did improve. I remember first half of the season, he couldn't even snap the ball correctly. Correct. And he did improve and he did improve. But he was kind of a mixed bag down the stretch. He he wasn't some pro ball talent. I mean, he he improved as far as he didn't commit a penalty, I believe, between weeks twelve and that playoff game. He committed one penalty and that was in that playoff game against the Bengals. But he allowed three sacks between week fifteen and that playoff game. So his pass protection was still shaky, and that's where Dylan Parham is strong in pass protection. So that's the only way I could see where Parham could usurp uh Andre James in his first year despite not playing a live snap at center at Memphis. Yeah. Again, you're with us here on Silver and Black tonight on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio. Also, waving, and so is Mo, uh, as we wave to you from the other side of the country, uh, here on our YouTube channel as we simulcast the show as well. Um, But, Mo, the other thing, too, that that amazes me about Raider fans is Raider fans are so loyal and they really, even guys they criticize sometimes for play or lack of lack of success, they love those guys because they're Raiders. So, and the reason I bring this up is with the next pick, the Raiders then take Zamir White out of Georgia, the running back. 
And when this happened, remember, this is just a few days after declining the fifth-year option on Josh Jacobs, right? So clearly indicating that Ziegler and McDaniels want options at running back, and people are like, why are we drafting a running back? It made all the sense in the world. Now, Zamir White, you, you look at this kid, so much upside, a great athlete, great running back, reminds me of Josh Jacobs a lot, uh, but he does have the big, the big negative, right, which is two serious knee injuries early in his career. So tell me what you think of this pick overall, and do, does the upside there uh, outweigh the concerns with the knee? Man, people twisted my tweet way out of control when <laughs> Samir White got drafted. Samir got drafted. I said, you know, it makes sense because Josh Jacobs and Kenyon Drake are both going to be unrestricted for agents next year. So, of course, I could see them drafting a running back yeah. after they decline, especially after they decline Jacobs with your option. But I said, you know, he, he could be, you know, in the mix, but, you know, he had two, he tore his ACL twice. He tore, he blew up both knees. Mm hmm. Now people say, well, he, he didn't blow up both knees while he's at Georgia. I get I get it. It was, you know, I believe it's still out of high his knees. <laughs> and right before right before he started playing with Georgia, he had yeah. he tore his ACL twice within a year. And I'm yeah. all I'm saying is that even though he didn't he didn't have a problem at Georgia, that's still not something you just gloss over. A guy who blew up both knees before he really got going on the collegiate level. Now he's playing on, on a pro level against bigger bodies. More physical demand, so you you can you can be concerned about those needs. So that's and that's another reason why you draft you know Britton Brown you know as your last pick because you want to have depth just in case Zamir White is the guy. After Josh Jacobs and Kenny Drake is, are out of the way, you want to have a number two or number three guy just in case he could he has knee problems again because uh, as people don't want to hear it, but it could happen. Those injuries just Anytime. don't go away. Yeah, and and I they'll still they'll sign another um, a free agent running back as well. I, I'm convinced of that. They'll have to they'll they'll look for another veteran uh, because you don't know what's going to happen coming out of camp and and how healthy people will be. And if Zamir White is healthy and he can make the roster, which you would anticipate he kind of would, um, that's great for them. So Mo, you look at Zamir White. Do you see? I see some similarities between Josh Jacobs and Zamir White. How they ran in college and the film, and you look back at that, and you see some some of those. I think mere images of them. Do you see similarities between the two, or is it just me? I don't think it's just you. I think for one, he's a downhill runner. What I mean by that is he's not going to waste a lot of time dancing in the backfield. And I think. Part of what Jacob's problem was when he was struggling was he, I think he was thinking too much, you know, kind of going kind of going east to west and not north south. And I think Zamir White is the type of guy that's just going to cut downhill and, and go for it, hit the hole. And that's what the Patriots want, because as I mentioned earlier in the show, if you look at some of the guys the Patriots had in Josh McDaniel's scheme, Damian Harris, LeGarrette Blunt, those guys don't catch a lot of balls out of the backfield. Zamir White doesn't. Mm -hmm. uh, Josh Jacobs started to develop that after Gruden was out of the door and Greg Olson was in. But again, hit the hole and keep it going upfield. And I think that's that's the similarity. Both run hard, both physical backs. Yes, and, and there's some similarities too between him and Parham that I want to talk about and actually pervasive through this, this draft class, which is an interesting stat uh, that we'll talk about when we come back. We're going to take a break. Mo, hold on for a second. Uh, we're going to step aside. When we come back from the break, we'll go through the rest of the Raiders draft class. We'll talk about undrafted free agents that the Raiders signed. We'll also talk about Mo's Mostradamus' predictions around the Raiders' <laughs> offensive line. Don't go anywhere. You're listening to Silver and Black tonight only here on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio. Stay right there. 
We will be right back with Silver and Black tonight on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio. Now back to Scott and Mo on Silver and Black tonight on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio. Happy Friday night. Welcome back. You are listening to the second half of Silver and Black tonight here on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio. Scott Branson, your host. My co-host and partner, Mel Moten, is with us. We'll be right back. Do us a favor. Make sure you follow us. If you're watching us on YouTube, you can see our Twitter handles right here. He is at Mo Moten, M-O-E-M-O-T-O-N. He's a national NFL writer for Bleacher Report, also Raiders contributor up on SportsNot.com. You can follow me at LV Gully. You can also catch my work up on SportsNot.com and here on Southern California's only all Raiders talk show because SoCal is still run. Despite the being the home of the world champion Rams, it's still home to the Raiders for so many yeah. of you out there in Raider Nation. Yeah. Scott, you got to make it clear that you didn't fire me. I know we, we cleared that up at the beginning of the show, but <laughs> a lot of people were wondering. <laughs> Public service message. Mo Moten (laughs) has not gone anywhere. Yes, yes, yes. He's just busy. And during the summer, by the way, Mo, you're going to be in and out of the show. So we just want to make sure people understand that. So so after we joke about this week, and then if you're not on next week, people are going to be like, what happened? (laughs) Nothing happened. We're just working around schedules, and we're making sure Mo feeds his family and does his work because he's in demand and that's great so we'll take him when we can get him um but welcome back and we're talking about the Raiders draft class and 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 before we get to the next player which of course is Neil Farrell Jr. out of LSU uh, defensive lineman uh, Mo the one thing I noticed about this this entire class you go back to Parham you ready for this Parham was on the Dean's list at um, at uh, Memphis. He also was first all academic team in the AAC uh, all oh, three of his four years at Memphis. He also, or sorry, he was a redshirt senior, so four years uh, total as a as a undergrad. Then you look at Zamir White, same thing. They all received their degrees, received his undergraduate degree in housing management and policy, which is fascinating to me. Um, And uh, he also, Dean's List academic performer. Neil Farrell Jr. from LSU, same thing. You getting a theme here? I mean, these guys, I think, too, not that a kid who hasn't graduated yet who comes out for the money, I got nothing against that, but 
not that if a kid wasn't an academic All-American that they can't be a great player, but I noticed that as I was going through and studying for the show, the guys that they've went out, we heard a lot in the Mayock-Gruden area about guys with character, right? And it didn't always work out that way. Uh, but you look at this class and you see these these kind of these streams of, of connections, and I'm seeing that a lot of these kids that they went out this year and picked have that same thread. There you go. With the Gruden Mayock regime, it was, as you said, character, but it was also team captains. They picked mm -hmm. a lot of team captains, and it was about leadership. And I think with this regime, you're seeing not that guys who aren't on a dean's list aren't smart, but I think it's about football and general IQ. And we always hear about Bill Belichick coach teams. What are they? Very good in, in situations. Very smart players in, in different types of uh, scenarios. Do your job, you know, that type of thing. So these guys are coming in. Uh, obviously, they, they have the football smarts. But they're also, as you said, on the dean's list. So they have the general smarts. They have the awareness. And I think that's the key word there, the awareness when they get on the field and of themselves, what their job is, what their responsibilities and what they're supposed to do in certain situations. No, no doubt about it. So so we talk about the Raiders draft. We talk about round three. They go with offensive line, a position of great need on this team. In, in round four, they go with a running back, which is a position of need because of the uncertainty with, as you said, Drake and Jacobs pass next year. And then they want to address the inside of the defensive line, which I know a lot of the media were saying, oh, my gosh, they have 18 defensive interior defensive linemen now. That's not a bad thing in my view. But they go for Neil Farrell Jr., again, another SEC academic honor roll student. He's a graduate. He, he was a graduate senior. So he'd already graduated as he was um, playing for the Tigers down at LSU. He was named an All-American in 2021 by Pro Football Focus. Graduated last August um, and and really did just he was ranked fourth in all of FBS with 24 run stops, including 10 that were either tackles for a loss or no gain. Talk about Neil Farrell Jr. Uh, and, and what you like about his game and what would be some concerns developmentally as he heads uh, to the Raiders uh, mandatory camp here in about another month. I think he could be the eventual replacement for Jonathan Hankins, who's around 30 years old. He's more of a run stuffer. doesn't have much in the pass rush. That would be my only concern. But at, for a defensive line, you're going to have players rotating anyway. If you want to pass, if you want pass rush, you, you know, that's what you have uh, Blau Nichols for. That's what you drafted Matthew Butler for. We're going to speak about shortly. But Neil Farrell is more of your run stuffing interior defensive lineman. who's going to be on the field for 50 to 60% of the snaps. He's going to give you that anchor uh, in the middle. Again, if Jonathan Hankins can't play or if he gets just a little long in the tooth, doesn't have the same push at the line of scrimmage, uh, Neil Farrell Jr. is going to be that guy to come up right behind him. Yep, absolutely. We're talking through the Raiders 2022 draft class here on Silver and Black tonight on the um, Silver and Black tonight on the Mightier 1090 ESPN radio. If I can get that out. Yes, uh, I can. Uh, and, and you talk about the interior of that defensive line. So with their next pick, they go right back uh, with the 175th pick and they go get Matthew Butler uh, as well. He's a Cosida. Shout out to all the, the uh, sports information directors out there, college football, Cosida academic, all America second team, the SEC community service team. I'm just going with the character theme again. Um, but you look at, you look at his game. 
and what he was able to do, he really got better as as he went on in his career. And you talked about him being much more in 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 the passing game and having pressure there in the passing game. Talk a little bit about the differences between him and Farrell and why Butler, where the Raiders were able to draft him, is a good shot. Yeah, Butler and Farrell are kind of the yin and yang. I think they complement each other perfectly. As I said, Farrell's more of your run stuffer. Butler's the guy that's going to penetrate the offensive line and get to the quarterback. Kind of broke out at Tennessee. I believe he had about five sacks his last year before coming to the NFL. Uh, he played in a multiple scheme, so that that he's an yes. ideal fit for Patrick Graham, who wants to who wants to be multiple his defensive front. Uh, Matthew Butler can line up anywhere between the guards, so he can go up and down the line. And again, I think he's in the mold of a Bilal Nichols, where if you get those two guys on the field on third down, you'll get an interior pass rush from both of them. Yeah, and and he's he's a hustler. I mean, he led the team in tackles. Uh, and watching the film, I didn't watch a ton, but what I did watch, I saw his his agility, his ability to get around the field, and how athletic he was uh, at the size. You know, six four two ninety five. He moves really well, Mo. And to me, that's exactly the kind of guys they need up front there to kind of raise the standard, if you will. Um, then uh, again, the Raiders go next. Uh, they go on the offensive line again, and they go with a kid right from here in Cincinnati, actually. Uh, that is Thayer Mumford uh, from Ohio State. There's been a lot of video going around about him getting beat on one play, which is asinine to me. It's like, it's like people, if you put an ISO camera or if you watched the All-22 from NFL games and you watched All-Pro offensive linemen sometimes get embarrassed on one single play, it happens all the time. So let's, let's, let's kind of temper uh the criticisms there but you have munford here too coming out of that ohio state program uh he was the team captain in 2021 first team all-american by the the coaches association uh in all big 10 conference honoree as well in 2020 and 2021 uh why why did he slip so much being on that team what's the intangible here that made him slide down the boards and what's the gamble for the raiders in going with munford First of all, the, the people cherry picking clips of players at their worst <laughs> and best moments, it that annoys the crap out of me. I tweeted yeah. about that. I'm like, anybody could take a five second, 10 second clip and show a player's best and worst moments. Go, oh, he sucks. Oh, he's great. I mean, he was going up against Aiden Hutchinson, who's the number two overall pick in the draft. Wow, yeah, seriously. I know. But anyway, um, I think he slipped because he changed positions. Mm-hmm. Uh, he played left tackle his first three years and he moved inside to left guard. I think he should be a left guard. A little slow on the outside. Of course, you saw that in, in the clip that's being passed around. But again, that's Aiden Hutchinson. But I think his skill set fits better as a left guard. Now, he'll have to transition. So I don't think he's going to play significant snaps his first his first year unless the Reds really, really need him because he's probably going to be behind Denzel Good and John Simpson and mm-hmm. even Parham. But I think if you can develop him at left guard, I think he could be pretty solid. He, he can probably fill in for guys if you need him to. But again, I don't expect him to start. But I, I think it's worth noting that both him and Parham, and I tweeted about this, they're both coming in as four-year starters. Yep. So their learning curve may, may be a lot shorter than a guy who only has one or two or three years of, of starting experience on the collegiate level. Who knows what, how Mumford is going to progress at training camp. I think if the Raiders need to call on those guys, they'll be ready to step in. Yeah, and Mo, he actually could have come out last year, and many thought he would have. 
but he stayed in school, which is huge. You know, it just doesn't happen as much anymore. Now, of course, last year's draft was weird because of COVID. And in so many ways, he might have been smart in that aspect. Uh, but to your point, I think just an opportunity there, if he can pan out to be a great get for the Raiders. Uh, lastly, and we're, we're getting, we got about 10 minutes left here in the show, and I know we want to get to some other subjects. Uh, but Patane Brown from UCLA, who's a Duke transfer, uh, that went to UCLA for his final season uh, and also, or excuse me, his final two seasons. Um, and this is a guy that, that frankly, I haven't seen much of. Talk a little bit about him. Uh, and do, I mean, is this a guy that's destined, if he makes it for the practice squad, or is this a guy going so late in the draft, the seventh round, uh, is this someone who you see has some talent there who could compete at least for a special teams and maybe a spot role? Yeah, he, he's, again... Going with the theme of what Josh McDaniels wants in a running back, he wants his running backs to have specific roles. And Bertain is another, Bertain Brown's another guy like Zamir White who is going to just hit the hole and keep it moving. Not a lot of production in the passing game, but if you get him the ball and you get him behind a good blocking offensive line, you know, he can make some moves and hit the hole and go upfield. So I think that's the theme right there. I don't expect him to, I, I don't really don't expect him to make the roster the first year because you're going to have Josh Jacobs. You're going to have Kenyon Drake as your pass catching back and you're going to have Zamir White out there. And they also picked up Brandon Bowen. So it's a crowded running back room. It's going to be very hard for him to make the roster, but I could see him as a stash and coming in and, and filling in as a complimentary running back. Yeah, no doubt about that. All right. Well, that's the that's the entire class. Mo, let me ask you this, because I think overall we've done a good job of talking through the positives and some of the challenges these guys are going to have. But was there anything about the Raiders draft that you were disappointed in or felt as though um, they had opportunities to address but didn't? I wouldn't say disappointed. I would like to have seen them get a safety, draft a safety. I was mm. screaming for Verone McKinley out of Oregon. I believe he went to the Miami Dolphins, teaming up with his former teammate, Javon Holland, over there. The guy's a ball hawk, and I felt like the Raiders could have picked him with the seventh, with their last pick instead of Brown, but it is what it is. Uh, they did pick up some UDFAs, who we're probably going to mention a little bit. But um, I, I, that safety position, I look at that as, I wouldn't say a weakness, because they, you do have Trayvon Merrick there. But Jonathan Abram, I know a lot of people love Jonathan Abram because he wears number 24 and he's all about the Raiders. He's a team guy, but it, it is what it is. He's just a liability in coverage. And in today's NFL, where offense is trying to spread you out, you need guys who can cover at both safety positions. And Jonathan Abram just isn't it there. I, I, again, I don't think he'll be back next year, but there's I, I feel like his position isn't safe, even without the Raiders drafting a safety because they did pick up Baron Harmon, who has some starting experience and who can play both safety positions has some ball production. So it's a possibility Jonathan Abram, you know, could be benched if he's an issue in coverage mm. or may not even start the season as the full-time star because Harmon gets, gets some considerable reps. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, Mo, now let's, let's spend the rest of our time. we we'll talk about that offensive line, right? You had talked about um, uh, throughout the week too, that you were going to drop some knowledge on us here on the show uh, with this offensive line. Cause clearly the Raiders went out. They used some draft capital this year uh, to bolster that offensive line. Um, they have some talent there that's been been underdeveloped, that has underperformed, i.e. Alex Leatherwood uh, and, and others. And so, so when you look at that offensive line, number one, how do you see it shaking out? I mean, it's going to be a competition on the right side. There's no question. Uh, but then past that, uh, do you feel they'll be active in looking for guys off the street, too, who suddenly find themselves looking for a new team? Okay, let me break it down for you because I wrote this all down. I did some digging. I love it. I love it. Let's I did, go. I did, I did some digging. And 
the Patriots have usually had after Sebastian Ballmer, if you remember him. Oh yeah, I believe he's from Germany. The Patriots have usually had bigger right tackles. I'm talking guys about 330 and up, and that's Marcus Cannon, former Patriot, who's I, who I believe is still a free agent, played for the Houston Texans recently, and Trent Brown, as you all know, about 380. So they like their right tackles to be kind of, not kind of, but really stout. Leatherwood <laughs> lists on a site. He's about the Raiders' official website lists him, I believe, at 6'5", 312 pounds. So he may be actually too small to stick at right tackle in Josh mm. McDaniel's team. They may move him inside because their guards are usually light. I wouldn't say lightweight, but they weigh less than their right tackles and they can move. And I think Leatherwood fits that profile. When he was coming out, people said, well, he's an athletic guy who can move inside, may project best as a guard. I believe he projects best as a guard in Josh McDaniels and Carmen Brasillo's scheme. So I think the Raiders are going to go with a bigger right tackle. And you just mentioned, should they go out and get a guy? And I believe Daryl Williams the former Bills oh, right yeah. tackle slash right guard. I think he fits the bill because he's about 6'6", 330. So he's in that range, height, weight, rise. He fits the profile of the measurements. He fits in. I think he could be the guy to start at right tackle. My deal lineup would include him at that position, Leatherwood at right guard, Andre James in the at the pivot at center, Dan, D- Dylan Parham at left guard, and, of course, Colton Miller at left tackle. So from left to, left to right, you got Miller. Parham, James, Leatherwood, and Darrell Williams as a free agent. Now, of course, the Raiders are going to get more money because I believe it was Carl Nassib and Corey Littleton were designated as post-June cuts. So the Raiders are going to get more cap space. So they'll they'll probably make some moves. And if they do, to me, the right move is Darrell Williams. There you go. You heard it from Mostradamus. Let's see if it comes true, right? We I like the Daryl Williams. I think you're absolutely right. And and that point that you brought out about the size of the right tackle on the New it England matters. teams, it does matter. And so um, it's it's one of those situations where you can see patterns uh, and we'll see if that comes true. Mo, uh, we got a couple minutes left. Now, what about this? That You talked about the la- the fact that they didn't draft a safety. Uh, Tyron Matthew, a lot of Raider fans wanted the Honey Badger to come to Las Vegas. He is not. He's in New Orleans. Um, is there anybody mm-hmm. out there the Raiders could pursue at that position? Because I feel like they still need to address it uh, with a signing of some sort in addition to the guys they already have. I don't feel strong about anybody right now, but just to stir the pot a little bit. Uh-oh. Um, I'm going to bring up a name. I'm not saying I would love to sign up, but I would say kick the tires and see you know, what he's up to. What about Earl Thomas? Oh yeah. Now I thought I thought that they he's, I thought that they would do that er, last year, right? When he was sitting out there and and they didn't do it and it surprised me. Go ahead. Now, he of course he had some issues his previous stops, I believe with the Ravens, he could be, you know, a locker room issue, but once sometimes when you sit out for a year or or so and you think about things and you reflect it kind of changes your mindset, kind of changes your attitude yeah. once you're ready to dip back into things. So maybe his head is on straight. Maybe he's not coming in to be a distraction or anything. He just says, look, I just want to play football and be a team, be a good teammate and contribute. If he, if he's sincere about that and the Raiders give him a, a kind of a zero tolerance, look, if you, if you screw up, you're out of here. I think he could be a solid, you know, contributor. Wow. There. And you know, to be honest, I forgot about him. 
which is terrible. <laughs> he, he, he was such a great player. But you're right. right. I, and why not give him a shot? He's the kind of guy, I think you're right, you sit out for a year and you suddenly realize, maybe maybe I got one more chance. And look at this Raiders team they're putting together. It's in Vegas. You have all the intangibles. So uh, a great one. We got about 45, 55 seconds left, Mo. Um, just want to give a shout out. I thought if you've seen all the reporting, Rich Eisen this week too talked about it, how well Las Vegas did hosting the draft. I, I really believe that we're going to see Las Vegas in a draft rotation now because it went so well. People got around. They enjoyed their nights there, obviously, with the rest, not just the gambling and all that stuff, but the restaurants, the ability to walk places, the ability to get a hotel room because in some markets, you go though, you go to the hotel, you try to get a hotel room for the NFL draft or an event like that. You can't. So I thought over well, that was great. And that's a great reflection on the Raiders too. Absolutely. I think it's going to be just a big destination for the NFL period. Um, if they decided to move the combine, I can actually even see the combine, you know, you know, move out there if there's a rotation. Yeah. I, you know, I like it in Indianapolis because I'm a traditional guy and it's, and it's closer to me, you know, it's kind of a selfish <laughs> yeah. uh, type of thing. But I, I, you know, I could see because this event went well, I could see, okay, we trust this location. We trust to put our events here. And it's yep. a good look because a lot of people I know went and they all enjoyed themselves. Absolutely. Well, Mo, it was great to have you back. We're out of time, so we will talk to you next time. Thanks for being with us, as always, my friend. Of course. And again, just to reiterate a third time, <laughs> me and Scott are good people. There's nothing going on here. We're not putting on a show for the camera. We're actually friends. We text each other every, and I mean this, we text each other just about every day. So Absolutely. Absolutely. Every, everything is good, and we're just going to bring you some good content. I will be back. Can't say when, but I will be back. Yes, and we talk we talk a lot about things outside of football too, and that's why I always comment about Mo being much wiser than his years or beyond his years. So, Mo, my friend, take care. We'll talk to you next time. All right, that's going to do it for this edition of Silver and Black tonight. Make sure you follow us on Twitter at SNB Tonight, also at M O E M O T O N for Mo. I am at LV Gully. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast. If you missed the show, you can always download it there. Also, do us a favor, subscribe on YouTube and hit that notifications bell. And you can also watch us here on the channel. For everyone here at Silver and Black tonight and the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio, have a great weekend, everybody, and we'll talk to you next time. Thank you for joining us. Please catch Silver and Black tonight, every Friday at 6 p.m. on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio.